pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, I, I, can't, I can't recount the numbers of times that I've heard this story from Sunday school as a boy on up. Lord, you, you've spoken, spoken so much to me over the years through this story. Today, God, as we look into this, Lord, we, we want a clear definition. We want to know you more. Father, sometimes we, we lift our voices to sing to you and we can't sing. Or sometimes we get up to preach and we stumble. But your power through the gospel is, is all that we need today. And that gospel finds its power in who Jesus is. And I pray today as the church that we would look to you, the author, perfecter of our faith, that you may be glorified in this world. Thank you for your words today in your most holy name. Amen. We look at this and we see uh, uh, some points. And I mean, I could, I could preach this sermon probably 12, 15, 30 times. But I, but I, I kind of got three points out of this for, for us today. We're, we're going about this looking as to who is Jesus. What is the definition of who Jesus is? The world's got a definition of Christ, don't they? He's a prophet. He's a historical figure. But for you and I, Jesus is very much different as believers. Amen? He's, he's very much different to us. He's not just a historical figure. He's not just a religious figure. He's not a saint on a wall. Jesus is the sustainer of all life. And here we see this, this very essence of who Jesus is portrayed in a very silly story, honestly. If you think about it, You've got these people who are coming to Jesus to hear him speak, and they're hungry. I wonder if we were to be honest, how many of us in here today wish we had something to eat right now? It's almost lunchtime, and I don't mean to get your, your mind off the Word of God, but, but I want you to see that these people were no different than you and I today. They had hunger, they had needs, they had desires, right? Some of them were coming to Jesus and they were wanting a king. As you see in the last verse we read there in verse 15, it says that Jesus perceived that some of these people were coming to pull him away in order to make him king. They wanted to set him up as king right then and there. They were like, this is the guy. This is the prophet. He's come, so let's go set him up. But Jesus works on his own power. Amen. I think when we talk about salvation, salvation is not something you and I can do. We know that. Salvation is something that the Lord does. He draws us to himself. We don't all of a sudden just get good enough and say, well, I'm going to go get saved now. I want to do better. Now, work will never do anything for you. But the love of Jesus will save you. And what we see here is this wonderful, beautiful passage of Scripture where you have people who have real needs, who have real things going on in their life, and we see a very clear picture as to who Jesus is. There's no doubt that the world today is sitting around a hill looking for someone to show them the way. These people were no different than you and I today. They were wanting to know answers. They were wanting to have needs fulfilled. And you know what? The answer, the answer to this question hasn't changed one bit. The answer is still Jesus. First point I want us to look at this morning is this, is that Jesus is approachable. Everybody say approachable. It's kind of a weird word when you say it out loud, isn't it? approachable. But Jesus is approachable. I think a lot of times in the church, we, we, all, we do one of two things. We, we either make Jesus kind of like this club that we're a part of and everybody out here is just not, they're not worthy of it. We don't want to let them into the club. Or we can preach Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. 
I pray that we're the latter. I pray that you and I are we're preaching a Jesus who's, who's available to all people who he's calling to himself, without a doubt. That, that no matter where you stand theologically, the one thing we can say today is that Jesus is the way. And so as the church, we need to be at least letting people know that. And he's approachable. He, he's not something that's just out here on a cloud and we say, well, I believe in Jesus and you go about your day. But Jesus is, is life. And he's very approachable here in that verse 3. We see where Jesus, it says, goes up on the mountains. I like that, Jim. I love mountains. My Jesus went up on the mountain, you know. I don't know if he was turkey hunting or what, but he was up on that mountain. Maybe he was just hiking. I don't know. But it says he goes to this mountain, and it says this. Look at this. He sat down with his disciples. Now, when you, before you think about maybe your preconceived notion, notions as to who, who Jesus is, I want you to understand one thing today. Jesus is very approachable. John 14, just a few passages later, probably about two years down the road, <laughs> the rate we're moving through John, but in John 14, Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's who our Christ is, right? We sung it this morning in song. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's all these things. But Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he sets, he sets down with his disciples on this mountain. And, and there's a lot of reasons they would sit down, right? You ever walked up a mountain? You get tired? That's probably one reason they sat down. There were some other things that were going on. The disciples, if you're reading it through the synoptic gospels, you see where they had actually been around preaching the gospel too, right? And Jesus had been on this huge missionary journey through, through Galilee. So they're, they're tired. They've been doing ministry. And, and so they sat down maybe for that reason too. They have a pastor's retreat, so to speak. But I think on a very a very sad note, too, Jesus sits down because he had previously just found out that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded. Jesus sits down with his disciples. He's approachable. They're tired. They're hungry. They're, they're mourning the loss of, of a great waymaker, preparer, so to speak, John the Baptist. They're, they're going through, through, through a lot of stuff. There's a lot of changes in their life. Some of these disciples have left their families, their jobs. And here they are sitting down with Jesus. I don't want you guys just to get this picture that Jesus is just sitting there, you know? I don't know if you guys watch King of the Hill. I don't like, say, watch certain shows. But, you know, those guys, they always just sit in the backyard and they're just kind of, yup, yup. I don't want you to think Jesus is sitting around with his disciples going, yup. You know, Philip's over here and he's like, yep. Here's John, yep. I, that's not what's going on here. When it says they sit down, it's purposeful. Uh, Jesus is totally relatable. He's, he's totally approachable here. They sit down. Probably more than likely, Jesus is feeding into them what they need to hear. That they're having this deep conversation with the creator of the universe. And church, what we need to know today, more now probably than ever in our history, is the fact that Jesus is approachable. We need to be a people who don't just say we believe in Jesus, but we need to be approaching him all the time, living in his presence. And if we do that, I believe it changes our heart, and we want all the people in McLeod, all the people in Oklahoma, all the people in the world, even the Russians. We even want Vladimir Putin to know Jesus. That's, that's what it should do to you and I today. Because I believe that's... That's our call. Jesus is not just some religious figure that's out here just doing his own thing and we just say we believe in him, but rather we can approach him 
All these things that we're going through. And I, I encourage you as we're going through John to read the other Gospels because, you know, Matthew, he tells a very different account, doesn't he? Here we see in this account where they're, they're coming together. And John's very, I heard uh, J. Vernon McGee speak this week. And he was talking about John is kind of like the, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the gospel for dummies. You know, it's like he tells a very simplistic gospel. When you get into Matthew, Matthew's throwing all these lineages and numbers out. You know, he tells how many people are there. Um, John tells how many people are on this mountainside. Matthew goes a little deeper and he says, there's also women there. There's also children there. But what we see in the, in the entirety of the Gospels is, is still the same picture, an approachable Jesus, a Jesus you and I can go to. Jesus proclaims his approachability in words in other parts of Scripture like this, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of us need rest today? You know, how many of us really, I'm not talking sleep. <laughs> I don't think Jesus was talking about sleep here. If you come to me, you'll never have to use your CPAP again. You know, if you come to me, you'll never have to take a melatonin again. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about true rest, peace that only comes from him. And I believe if the church ever wants to be restful, we need to go to Jesus. And the cool thing is, is we can because he's very approachable. I see a world that's very tired. I know a lot of times when uh, we haven't eaten, or we haven't slept, do we get cranky during those times? Do we get hangry, right? Jesus is inviting us to overcome all that and just rest in him, to be filled in him so that we can act in a way that glorifies him. Well, if I could say something to the church today, don't forget the approachability of Jesus. I think it's time that we, we take the time to sit down on the mountain with Jesus and let him feed us. That we're, that we're not so caught up in the, you know, the business of the church or the business of our days, the business of our word, but we take time to sit down with the way, the truth, and the life because he's approachable. That's our Christ. That's our Jesus. Have we forgotten that in the modern church? Of who Jesus is? We're, we're so intent on, on programming and lights and, and, and flashy television screens and all of that. Have we forgotten that Jesus is all that matters? That he's the one we should be turning to? That if the electricity goes out right now, you know what? We can continue worshiping, can't we? Last night, our electricity went off. Did anybody else's electricity go off? Okay, it was just us. I, I was afraid I didn't pay the electric bill for a minute, you know? And I, I look outside and some of our neighbor's lights are out too. So I was like, thank you, Lord, you know? But, but we're sitting there, and <laughs> they take it out automatically. They're going to get money from me one way or another. But anyways, we're sitting there in the dark. You know, we could have just sat there and been like, yup, yup. But my daughter and my son-in-law, you guys see them? Everybody say hi, Jolie and Summit. <laughs> they are here today. I'm so, I'm so blessed to have you guys here. I don't get to worship them with them a lot because they're in ministry. That's a wonderful blessing, isn't it? But we could have just sat there and just said, yep, and looked, and looked at each other or tried to look at each other in the dark, look where we thought they were kind of thing. But, you know, we, we had a good time and we just played games. We fellowshiped with each other. We, we got to, to catch up. A lot of times in the church, we just forget that Jesus wants that with us too. We get, we get so caught up in 
and, and what's going on in the world. We, we have too much technology. There's too much rush in our lives, and we just need to sit down with Jesus. Have we forgotten that's the best thing in the world? Now, I, I applaud you for if you're a person who gets up in the morning and you read and you pray. You end your day reading and praying, but you know what? Jesus wants us all day long. <laughs> we don't need to just say, well, I'll get up in the morning, and I read and pray, and then you go down the road like cutting people off and just being a jerk. You know, we, that's not, that, There's more to being a Christian than just morning and evening, right? It, it's all day long, and that approachable Jesus that I'm talking about, he desires that from you and I today. Jesus is approachable, and if we live in that light if we're, if we're people who just love being with Christ, it's going to make us people who are also evangelistic and mission-minded. We're, we're going to want to reach out to the people around us. We're going to want to go out here and, and to tell people the good news. We're, we're going to want to share our testimony. We're going to want to be a people who see the church filled, not because of numbers, but because people are seeking after God. I don't know about you guys, but here's, here's how I feel. As your new pastor, I've been here a little over six months, right? So honeymoon phase is over now, you know, um, we'll probably have a fight here pretty soon. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, you know, coming into this new church, like our goals have always been the same. I think that's why the Lord brought me here. Because I, I, you know, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't looking for a place to go, but in my heart of hearts, I was like, Lord, if you ever move me, I want to go somewhere where people have the same mindset as me. And, and I see that here. Through our youth pastor, through our worship right, through our other leadership within the church, we all have this one common goal, and that's just to advance the gospel in any way that we can. And if we can fill this church, that's great. But here's what I want to do. I want to fill this church so that people can hear the good news. I want to fill this church so we can send people out. I don't want to just be a, you know, a place where we're just patting each other on the back and saying, man, that was good today. It's a good sermon. It's a good service. We weren't too crowded in here, right? You know, we could kind of still do some, uh, some, some COVID protocol this morning or whatever. The thing is, is that we have a very approachable Jesus, and that should change our mindsets. All of a sudden, we want to go and, and to share the gospel. This past week, Johnny and I were sitting at a ball game, and uh, a young lady comes up. And she sits by us. And uh, <laughs> as we're sitting there, I'm just like, Johnny and I just have a heart for this girl. We're just like, something something about her, like she, I don't know. We can't figure it out, you know? And uh, Joni gets up with Jaron and goes off, and the, and the little girl, she looks at me. She's like, all right, so you're a preacher. And I was like, yeah, I'm a preacher. She goes, so if you cuss, she goes, stay with me. If you cuss, do you go to hell? I was like, okay, wait, let's stop. Let's go back a little bit further. And I took a few moments just to share the gospel with her at a basketball game, you know? Over halftime, I just shared the gospel with this girl. She had a very, I think, picture of Jesus where he's not very, he's not approachable. Maybe even as a pastor, she looked at me and she's just like, you're a pastor. I don't know if I can talk to you, but if you cuss, will you go to hell? I mean, that was her question. That's where she was at. You know, it was all about works. How do you get to heaven? I think really, probably in her heart of hearts, she may be thinking, I believe the Lord's already working on her because I, I believe we're going to see her here in service soon along with a whole lot of other people. Because I believe the Holy Spirit's already working in people's lives and he's drawing people to, to be regenerated. But in her heart of hearts, I believe she has this fear that if she dies, she's, she doesn't know where she's going. I gave her a little bit of light. I'd like to tell you that, you know, she just got down on her knees and gave her life to the Lord right then and there. It didn't happen. But at least she knows a, a true picture as to who Jesus is. And as the church, we need to be making those the best of those opportunities 
to clarify who Christ is. And guys, Jesus is very approachable. In fact, if we couldn't approach him, we couldn't get to God. If we couldn't approach Jesus, we couldn't get to heaven because he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. The next point I want to look at this morning is that Jesus knows the situation. Everybody say situation. Another weird word. He's approachable. But he also knows the situation. Now, everybody here has got a different situation, don't you? I don't think everybody here is going through the exact same thing. We may view the crisis in Ukraine a little differently as we go around. We may view the, the you know, our, our political situation in America a little bit differently. We may view theologically some, you know, things that we can disagree on and still worship together. We may view things very differently. But the thing is, is that Jesus knows the situation that we're going through. So much so that we should trust him no matter what. We can approach Jesus in faith, knowing that he already knows. Now today, you may be coming here and you've got money problems, family problems. Maybe you just found out you've got some kind of illness or you're sick. Maybe today you're dealing with sin. Maybe, maybe today you, you just have never accepted Christ. Maybe you're listening to this later and you've, you're, you're saying, I, I'm dealing with one of these, brother. As you come to Jesus, not only is he approachable, but he already knows the situation and he already knows the answer. And that's, that's, a, that's a picture of Christ that we need to know today, that he's not just a prophet or a priest or a king, but he is the answer. He's, he's what we come to. And we can approach him today knowing that he already knows what we're going through. We can approach him today because we already know that he knows the answer too. In, in verse, uh, verse 5 there, he looks to one of the disciples on purpose. He looks to Philip. I looked up Philip. He was actually from the neighborhood that they were in at the time. So he looks to, G- looks to Philip, Jesus does, he looks to Philip and he says, hey, where's a good place to eat at around here? And we do the same thing, don't we? If we're visiting family or friends and we're in the other city, we're like, well, where do you guys go to eat around here? He looks to Philip because Philip knows the answer. But, but John, in his simplistic writing here, he shows that Jesus asked the question, but then he immediately says, what? Well, Jesus says, Hey, Philip, where's this at? Because he wanted to test him. Jesus already knew the answer. He was already the sustainer. We know that. He already knew the situation. But he asked the question not just because Philip was from the area, but he also asked the question because he wanted to test Philip. Now, I invite you today to understand this. Jesus already knows the answers. He already knows the situation. If he's testing us today, it's because he wants us to, he wants to know like where our heart is. And I want to tell you something today. Jesus is the answer to all things. That may sound like a generic answer. Sometimes people will come and they've got, you know, they, they've got stuff they're going through or whatever, and they'll come to the pastor and they think, well, he's going to give me these wise words, you know. Sometimes we're just pointing people to Jesus because we understand that Jesus is the only way that can help them. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. And he talks to Philip, and, and he does it in such a way that I believe everyone around's probably watching too. Everybody around's listening too, because they're probably hungry. They're, they're wanting to know, hey, yeah, where, is there a Sonic nearby or, you know, whatever? What, what's, what, what, how are we going to eat today? And Jesus just says, hey, Philip, how are we going to do this? Well, Philip doesn't quite get the whole Messiah thing yet. And he looks at Jesus and he says, well, if we had this amount of money, it still wouldn't feed everyone. How many of us are like that with it when it comes to spiritual things? 
or the work of the church. Well, we can't do that. We don't have enough money. We can't do that. We don't have, we don't have enough people. We don't have enough. You know, I, I, we can't do a kid's ministry. I don't like kids. We can't do a youth ministry. I don't like kid, adults either, right? You know, we, we say all these things. We're like, I just don't like I, whatever. Jesus wants us to understand today that he's the one that knows the situation and has the answer. He looks to Philip, and Philip's like, uh, I don't know, Lord. I don't know how we're going to do this. Now, I could pick on Philip, but look what Andrew says, which, by the way, Andrew is the one that brought his brother, Simon Peter, to the Lord. I really like, I really like Andrew. If you look into the life of Andrew, Andrew's kind of like this go-getter, and I don't know if he means to be, but he is. Andrew steps up there in verse 9. He says, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. <laughs> and we laugh at that because we're like, you know, I don't know. If maybe, maybe Andrew was being a smart aleck. Well, you got some bread and fish, Lord, you know. But I, I think in some ways he's coming before Jesus. He's like, this is what we have. We know you can provide. We know you can make this happen. Jesus knows the situation. Jesus has the answer. Today, whatever the, the question is for you and I, whatever it is that we're going through, you know, as, as we seek to, to grow this church, as we seek to, to be a bigger light in our community, as we seek to become more missions involved, as we, as we seek to become evangelists, let us understand today that Jesus knows the situation, so we need to look to him. And praise be to God, he's approachable, amen? A.W. Tozer says this, he said, God never hurries. I was encouraged this week by this, this thought of a pastor from 50, 60 years ago. This was his take on being a pastor. God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work, only to know this is to quiet our spirits and to relax our nerves. Knowing who Jesus is, that relaxes who we are. Whether, you know, we have a youth event, Austin, and 500 kids show up or five show up. It doesn't matter. The Lord has the way that he works. I've been preaching the gospel a lot of times. I've sat in churches that were completely full. We were moving in chairs, and I've preached in front of two. I've preached in front of none a lot, too, you know. I've preached in front of none in my office today. But the thing that we need to understand today is we don't work for our own glory. We work for the glory of God. God's in control. He is the sustainer. He's the, he's the situation holder. He knows the answer. He knows all of this stuff. And if we live in that and we approach him, it changes the way we do ministry. I do. I wish that there were more here today. Yeah, I had several call me this week. They're sick. You know, there's this going on. There's that going on. I get it. But in this moment, we focus on Jesus, the author perfecter of our faith. He knows our situation. So whatever you're going through today, go to Jesus. We've already sung who Jesus is today. Aren't you glad that you know him? God never hurries, but here he is today speaking to our hearts. Here he is. Did, did Philip really understand who Jesus is? We can, we can be really self-righteous and say, no, he didn't. But I got to ask you a question today. Do you understand who Jesus is? I know we say we're, you know, I'm a Baptist, Daniel. Of course I know who Jesus is. You know what I say to people who say, well, I'm Baptist? Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> who cares? Being a Baptist doesn't save you. It may make us feel good, you know. 
Even though we're better than the other churches in town, I get that. But, but the thing is, is that that doesn't save us. The only thing that saves us is knowing Jesus. Amen? You guys know I'm joking, right? Some people don't know how to take me sometimes. They're like, man, he really don't like the Methodists. That's not what I'm saying. I live in their house. Please don't tell them I like the house. I don't want to get kicked out of the house right, quite yet. Maybe eventually, but not right now. I don't judge. Like The thing is, we need to know today is that Jesus is that answer. It's not, it's not setting in this, in this building that saves you. It's not setting in this building that all of a sudden you're just going to know stuff, that you're just going to be better than everybody else. But there's a whole lot of people theologically today, they just look down on everybody else because they say, well, if your way is not my way, then you're inferior. You don't know Jesus. I honestly think when we get to heaven, we're all going to be like, whoa, we all missed that point. We all were wrong on that one. But in the meantime, what we can know is that Jesus is he's the answer. He's the, he's the one that knows our situation. The final point I want us to see this morning is that Jesus is sustainer. We can approach him. We can approach him in faith, knowing that he already knows the answer. But then once we realize that, we understand that he sustains us. Now, I, I, could, get off, I could get real Baptist right here. Security of the believer. We see that here in Jesus, don't we? If he's a sustainer, then we also know that there's nothing once we're saved that could ever take it away from us. Because salvation is not of ourselves. Salvation is from God. And if you look there at verse 11, it says that Jesus takes the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them. Now I want you to understand something here. There wasn't like a, a delayed miracle. Like when Jesus prays, the miracle happens. In other words, what I want you to understand is that this is not a story that kind of loses the, the truth over time. That when Jesus prays, in other words, that miracle was from him, by him, and for his glory. It, it wasn't something that was told, well, man, they, they stretched that bread out over a lot of people. Well, for one, we know that the 5,000, it's not just 5,000, right? I mean, you got women and children. So when we're looking at upwards of twenty to 25,000 people sitting in this place on this hill around the Savior. But Jesus, in this moment, he prays and he gives thanks. And then he distributes that to all those who are seated. And then also fish. And it says they had as much as they wanted. If you want to know who Jesus is today, he is the sustainer. He, he makes stuff happen that we can't even explain. How, how, do, how do you feed 5,000 people with bread and fish? That's not enough. How do you do that? Well, church, I guarantee you this. If, if Jesus can do that, he can sustain us spiritually in our walk with him. If he can do that, then he can take care of our church and keep us going. You know what? This church has been here a hundred plus years, right? hundred and some odd years. Who sustained it? Is it a family name that has sustained it or is it Jesus? It's the Lord himself. Christ has sustained this church. He has sustained believers throughout the centuries. That He will sustain the believers who are being hurts and 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 come against with bombs and everything in Ukraine, Christ will sustain his church there too. A few years back, Southern Baptists in particular had a really big push in Ukraine. I remember seeing this several years ago. They started, you know, we're sending in all these missionaries and, and doing all these mission trips and like Go Students was going there. There's all this stuff's going on in Ukraine. I'm like, why Ukraine? Like, I mean, I don't understand. Like, why did the Lord lead them to go to Ukraine? And now it's like, oh, okay. The Lord knows. 
He's that sustainer. He's that one that knows the situation. He's the one that's approachable. And, and so today what we know about Ukraine is that Ukraine's not just a bunch of people who really just are very patriotic and come together when times are hard. They're not just those kind of people, but there's a lot of them that are believers in Jesus Christ who are well-founded in Christ. Ukraine's one of the, the biggest missionary-sending countries in Europe. But through all of this, I believe God can sustain the church in Ukraine because he is this great sustainer. We see that Jesus here, he makes this planned effort to set with his disciples, but we also know this. We also know that we can approach Jesus in faith knowing that he can sustain. Will this church continue to do ministry? Everybody say yes. (laughs) Do your pastor good this morning. Say, yeah, we're going to continue. We're going to do great things. Not because your pastor's great, not because your leadership here is great, but because Christ is great. He is a sustainer. He's the one that's going to keep us going. Now, I'm blessed this morning to get to worship with my, my daughter and my son-in-law, of course. I, was, I couldn't even sing over there half the time this morning. I was just bawling like a baby. It's not because I you know, had a sinful week or anything. I, I really just felt overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I spent a lot of years singing next to that lady right there. We did ministry together. What has done that for us is not because our last name's Henson. What's done that for us is that we serve a God who is sustainer. I feel blessed because all my kids love Jesus. Even even Jaron loves Jesus. I know he hadn't reached the age of accountability, so to speak, yet, but you ask him who created the moon, he'll say Jesus. You know, he's, he's getting things, right? He's understanding, you know. We scare him with Jesus sometimes. If you don't behave, Jesus is going to be mad at you. We do say that sometimes. You better, you better straighten up. Jesus is going to he's gonna pop you in the head, man. I don't say that. But it's a blessing to see that God sustains our families too, right? My mom must have wondered sometimes, eh, I hope Daniel comes around and you know, does right, because sometimes I wasn't always where I needed to be. But I look back on that mom, and it was Christ who sustained me through you know, through, through rough times, through good times, through bad times. It's Christ who sustains us. It's, it's the one that we need to understand. It's the one we're thinking about Jesus. I don't want us to think of him as unapproachable or as just some religious figure or some historical figure. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And today we can approach him. Today we can rest assured that he knows our situation, that he knows the answer. And we can rest assured that he's going to sustain us through anything. It's rough times being in ministry right now. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Because if it's not COVID, it's something else going on, right? It's just it's how it is. I, I'm not the only pastor that feels these pains right now. There was a time in my early ministry where I remember when we were in more, like we filled the church up and we didn't, it just seemed like we didn't really even try. I've done ministry on the reservations and you would, you would do these ministries and it would just be you know, like a, a bunch of people. I, I've led worship. Don't judge me. I've led worship for St. Luke's United Methodist Church on television. You know, I've done that before in, in front of a lot of people. And those were, it seemed like easy times, but we live in this different time now where we've got all these different things. We've got technology for one. You know, we, we've got sickness that's going around. We've got differences of opinion. We have people looking at Scripture as not God's Word. It's not infallible. People say that about the Word of God. We have a lot of different things, but what I can know is that even in times like this, Jesus will sustain us. It's not my own power. It's not me pulling myself up by my own bootstraps, but guys, it's me trusting in Christ, approaching Him. 
who can sustain us. That miracle that Christ performs on that mountain, it wasn't just a a cool miracle that makes us say, you know what, we'll never go hungry again. I can't guarantee that, but what I can guarantee is that Christ will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Spurgeon talks about uh, Christ in, in this way. Talks about the creator. Now remember in, in John chapter 1, what did we learn about Jesus? He was creator, right? We were reminded by the little bumper video at the beginning that, that he is the creator, that there wasn't anything created that wasn't created by Jesus. Again, he wasn't just a prophet. It wasn't just a little six Six pound, four ounce baby boy in a manger, you know. That wasn't the that wasn't the only thing about Jesus. He was also creator. If he can create things, don't you think he can sustain us in our present day? Spurgeon says this. He says, No man can destroy anything. I read this and I was like, What what are you talking about, Spurgeon? It's like, well, maybe he's getting his science wrong. But as I read through this, I was like, no, he's absolutely right. Spurgeon says this, no man can destroy anything. Since the world began, not a single particle of matter has ever been annihilated. You may cast matter into the depths of the sea, but there it is. It still exists. You can cast it in the fire, and the fire consumes it, but, but either in the ash or in the smoke, every atom survives. Fire does not destroy a single particle. There is as much matter in the world now as when God first spoke it into existence, out of nothing. It is as great an exercise of divinity to destroy as it is to create. This is Spurgeon speaking, you know, over 100 years ago. He's talking about uh, very scientific. A lot of times people will say, well, we can't mix science and, and, and religion together. Here's what we need to know is that God created science. You know, what, what the, the great, the, uh, not theologians, but the Scientologists, I don't know what you call them, the great scientists of the time, what they said about energy is that you can't destroy it, it just transfers to something else, right? So we know it's true that you and I, we can't destroy anything. We think we destroy everything, but we can't destroy anything. It just changes into something else. But what we know about God is that God can destroy things. In fact, he has to destroy us before we can even be saved, the Bible tells us that, that in our regeneration, that we have to die. We, we can't be ourselves anymore. We can't be our sinful, depraved person anymore. We, we have to be totally new. Paul says that we're what? New creatures in Christ Jesus. All these thoughts that we, you know, we, we put Scripture together and it, it, it works together to, to tell us the truth here. Don't, don't be like a lot of folks in the world today who, you know, they want to pick a verse and that makes, that's my theology, one verse. You have to read it all. You have to get into every bit of this. And what we know is that in the regeneration of every soul, there is this destruction that happens before the creation. That old man has to be destroyed. It has to be broken down. That stony heart has to be ripped out and made soft again. And the only person in the world, if you want to talk about power and sustaining power, the only person who can destroy anything is, is God. He's the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can do that. And, and the reason he does this is because he wants to make us new. In, the, in Revelation, we read where Jesus proclaims, Behold, I make what? All things new. And for you and I today, I don't know if we need to be made new again or if we just need to be reminded of it. But what I do need to to, to caution us is that as the church, as we move forward, we need to trust in a Jesus who is approachable. Everybody say amen. 
We need to know that he knows our situation, that he knows the answer. Everybody say amen. And we need to know that he can sustain us. The God who's powerful enough to destroy is powerful enough to sustain. That's the God I serve today. I'm proud to say that. I can't sit here and say, man, I'm proud to be a Henson, you know? (laughs) I've got people in my lineage I'm not real proud of, you know? I got a great, great grandfather. Is it great, 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 great grandfather? I, I don't know. Somewhere back there. He was a traveling preacher. Got a girl pregnant, ran off and left her because he's wanting to go do the Lord's work. Now, how cool was that, you know? <laughs> you quit laughing back there, Eileen. <laughs> I'm glad that my last name doesn't define who I am. I'm defined by what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. The message I proclaim today is not Baptist or Henson. The, Bab- the, the ministry I, that I live by, the, the, the words that I proclaim is the gospel. Romans tells us that the gospel is powerful enough to change the heart. That's what it takes. If you guys, as a pastor, you get tired of hearing me talk about the gospel, I'm sorry, it's all i got to talk about. That and my silly stories, you know, that aren't really that funny. But you laugh anyways. I, I know, I know. My wife laughs because she feels like she has to. No, she thinks I'm hilarious. Look at her. She's just looking at me right now. She's like, that dude is so funny. I cannot believe I'm married to that comedian. But it's, in all seriousness, it's the gospel, right? It's the gospel. I, I love as, as Oklahoma Baptist, like our whole theme, like what we're about is advancing the gospel. I'm glad we're not advancing Baptist principles, you know. Making Brother Todd our executive director, making him more famous or something. I'm glad that's not what we're doing, you know. I get to work with a lot of good men that are Southern Baptists in Oklahoma, but the only reason we're good in any way is because of Jesus. It's not because of us. None of us are good. That fallacy that's in the world today is that there's, well, there's good people. I I know, maybe there's a language thing there, but I know what Jesus said. There's no one that's good. There's no one. If we come at if we come at these altars when the Lord calls us saying, well, I'm a good person, I just need to do better, you're, you've missed it out. You have to be totally destroyed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have to be dead to yourself and new in Christ. That's the truth. If we hold on to that old man, it's going to drag us down every single time. But we have to live in newness of life. The beauty in, the beauty in, in, in baptism is, is not the... It's not the tradition. The beauty of baptism is someone who's saying, you know what, I'm dying to myself and I'm new in Christ. And I want everybody to know about it. Think about a Christian is if you're really living for Jesus, you can't deny it if you're really living for Jesus. You, you know, just like the other night, that, that girl speaks to Joni and I, and we haven't been like, repent and be baptized. We've never said that to her, you know, but sh- there's something about the Holy Spirit, right? Calling her to regeneration. The way that he's worked in our lives, that she could see something different there. I know we're like a super like good-looking couple and all that, but that's not the reason she came over to us, you know? I mean, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Quit laughing, Eileen. Come on now. But but this this idea that, that the Holy Spirit works through us. I, I tell you that story because I don't want to brag about myself. I tell you that story because here's the thing. I believe God wants to use every single one of us to draw someone to him. As our musicians come forward, I, w- I want to leave you guys with this thought. We're, we're of course, doing, we got a lot of ministry focused over the next month or so. You guys realize Easter's almost here, right? 
I want this place full of people, not because our families are here or because we're having a dinner or eating Easter eggs or whatever. Not because we got Reese's Cups or what. None of that. I want people here because they have been brought by you to hear the gospel. Or you've led them to Jesus, and now they're here because this is what believers do, is come together and worship and hear the word. So over the next few weeks, you guys are going to be seeing stuff from us in your bulletin. There's a, a who's your one. And I, I want to just take a moment before we go into this song. And if you want to know how powerful the Holy Spirit is, like what this man's going to lead us in singing today and what he's about to tell you goes right along with what I wanted to say to you guys. I love, I love the Holy Spirit, don't you? He just works stuff out. But I want you in these next few moments, you believers, you, you people who love Jesus, you people who understand that he's, that he's the sustainer. You people that understand that, that, that he's the one who, who understands all that we're going through. That he's the one that loves us. I want you to be thinking of one person right now. So in this moment, I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to think, say, if you can't think anybody, I want you to say, God, just impress one person on my heart that needs to know you. You got that person? I'm going to pray for my one. I want you to pray for your one. And I want us to be specific in this prayer. Because I believe the Holy Spirit can do a work even in this moment, whether they're here or not. I want you to pray for that person. They will come to know Jesus soon. I would be lying to say, you know what? We've got 10 years to go. I've got all these prophetic friends who are like, oh, it's not yet. And some are saying, nope, Jesus is about to come. I don't know. But here's what I do know is that we're called to proclaim the gospel today. For just a moment, I want you to think about that person. I want you to pray, God, would you empower me to be a light to them? Some of y'all may be saying, I don't know what to say to them. That's okay. The Holy Spirit will speak to their heart. Honestly, if the Lord's laid that person on your heart right now, I believe the Holy Spirit's already working on their heart. For just a moment, let's pray for those people. And we'll go into a song. Today, if you need to come to these altars and continue that prayer for that person, maybe you're still saying, God, send someone to me. These altars would be open. And today, if you don't know Christ, I want to invite you to hear the message of the gospel today. If the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you, he's speaking to your heart to be saved. Know today that the call is to believe and to live. The Bible teaches us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, we can't believe without the Holy Spirit showing us. But if we believe, thanks be to the power of God, if we can believe today that we need a Savior and that we are depraved and have sin in our lives, and if we confess with our mouth, then we will be saved. That's not a magical prayer. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And today, if you need Jesus, I want to call you to that today. Make that decision of what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life to bring glory to the Lord. Church, isn't it wonderful to be saved? It's wonderful to have that, that peace. If you don't have peace today, you can. Let's take a moment and pray for those that the Lord's impressing on our heart. Lord, I love you. What I know from uh, these definitions as to, as to who Jesus is, He's very personal. He loved us so much that he shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary. We don't deserve it. 
There's nothing we've done to deserve this wonderful gift. Lord, I pray for those in our lives that may not know you, that one that you've stuck in our in our in our head, that one that you've stuck in our heart, that one that we continue to to run across in life, that one person who needs Jesus today. God, I pray that you will lead us to be concerned for them. Lord, that you will give us words to speak, that the Holy Spirit will go before us and prepare that person to hear the good news of the gospel. Lord, not just so they can be here on Easter with us worshiping you, but but Lord, that they can stand for the King of kings and the Lord of lords one day and worship you for all eternity. I thank you for salvation. Make us an evangelistic people, a missional people. Lord, I know we say it and we give money, but Lord, make us in our heart of hearts those type of people that we can't go to the store, we can't go to the post office, we can't drive down the street without telling someone, you know what, Jesus loves you. Thank you for being that great sustainer, Christ. Would you empower your church to leave this place, a church that is on fire for you? Not just in word, but God, indeed, we're not saved by it, but Lord, I, I believe you call this to be powerful in our, in our walk. You call this to be active. Truly, faith without works is dead. Lord, I pray that we're alive and well in you today. To you be the glory. Amen.